Loyalty to Rangers is what binds us. And together, we are stronger. Launching for the 2021 season, the MyJers membership program is a new way to get even closer to the club you love. It's the one place where you can access benefits like ticketing priority, club discounts, and exclusive competitions and experiences. There's even a limited edition welcome gift when you join. Visit rangers.co.uk slash myjers to join today. Always Rangers, always loyal, always rewarded. Hi there and welcome to this week's edition of the Jersey Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast which is made by fans for fans and the content is absolutely free. Uh, and it's not just the pod, guys, as I, I continually say week in, week out. Uh, it's not just the pod that's free. We also have the website. There's written content on the Jersey website and there's the forums as well. So if you get yourself onto the forums, you'll find loads of uh, like-minded bears and it's all free. Uh, if this is your first time listening to the pod, we would encourage you to subscribe uh, and put the word out there in social media. I have to give a big thanks to everyone. We've reached 3,000 subscribers this week. Uh, so thanks, guys. It's much appreciated. I think lockdown's had a, an impact on that. We've had, a, we've had a big sort of spike in the amount of subscribers that we've had. I think loads of people, are, like myself, Mark, the amount of pods that I'm listening to has increased as we, as we try and fill the hours during lockdown. Obviously, bigger things going on, so it maybe doesn't feel like quite the achievement that it should. But thanks anyway, guys. And if we're helping getting you through the day, then brilliant. That, all, all the better. Uh, the podcast is live tonight. It's live on the Sunday night. Uh, however, it will be to av- available to stream or download on a variety of platforms from tomorrow, uh, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, Catspot, Stitcher, and Spotify. You know the drill, guys, if you've been listening for a while. If you're new to the pod, uh, hi and welcome. Uh, we've been going for a couple of years now, and as I said, we've reached 3,000 subscribers, which is quite a uh, quite a landmark uh, for the pod. So on to the guests. We've got two stalwarts of the pod on tonight. We've got the gaffer, who I'm assuming will be quite happy with the, the, the recent news uh, around the pod. We've got Stuart Franklin. How are you, Stuart? Hi, Colin. I'm very well, thank you. Um, been enjoying the sunshine the last few days, obviously. It's, it's great to have some weather while I'm off work. I'm, unfortunately, I've, I've summer holiday, which we're due to go to Turkey at the end of June has been cancelled. So um, I've bought a paddling pool for the wee ones just now. So hopefully that'll do them until our next chance to go abroad. And how do you, how are you feeling? Obviously you, you, were, you were giving us some updates on the WhatsApp through the week about us reaching 3,000 subscribers. Uh, how, how are you feeling about that? Because we've come quite away in the two years. Hi, it's brilliant. Um, I'm very lucky to have uh, so many good contributors over the last couple of years uh, for, for Pete and Christine. They, they've helped uh, at the very start. And and then guys like yourself, Ross and David, have done a fantastic job of uh, hosting. And then we're really lucky to, to partner up with Stevie with the Four Lads stuff. Um, they, they, they tend to do the interviews and, and with the ex-players and obviously Alec McLeish recently as well. And it's a fantastic list of, of pods. And, and with this show on the, on the Sunday, they they dovetail quite nicely. So it's good that um, after a couple of years of hard work that the numbers are going up. It's uh, 3,000 on YouTube the last day or two, and, and then we've got just over 1,000, I think, on iTunes, and then another 500 to 1,000 on Spotify. So can't argue with that. So it's uh, all good. Good stuff, good stuff. Uh, and also joining us is, uh, is Frankie Elodie today. We've got uh, Stevie Clifford from The Four Lads, uh, blog and podcast. How are you, Stevie? How are you coping through lockdown at the moment? Uh, how you doing, Colin? Evening, um, everyone. Yeah, I'm all right. Um, you know, it's just, just getting used to it now. A lot of family time. Um, obviously, my boys are, are three and four, um, so it's difficult for them, and it's just trying to get walks and 
things on a daily basis to try and keep them amused more than ever. But um, no, I'm all right. You know, just trying to get on with it. Yeah, I must admit. I mean, I've, I've probably had one of my better weeks this week with the whole lockdown thing. I'd, I'd, I'd said last week on the show that I was sort of struggling to work from home and I took some steps to address that this week. I wasn't completely productive, but certainly more than I had been. Uh, but the best, the highlight of the week was I let my daughter cut my hair. <laughs> She's 13 and I came home from a walk, I think it was Wednesday night, uh, and I just looked in the mirror and I thought, I don't care how bad a cut is, it can't be any worse than it is now. So, uh, so I let her loose with the clippers. So it's it's not salon standard, uh, but it's I would certainly say it's better than it was before. So I, that was an interesting evening. Uh, right, guys, we'll, go, we'll get on to the, 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 the topics in hand. Uh, and away from the lockdown chat. Uh, Frankie, I'll come to you first. Uh, obviously, still no football. We'll, we'll come on to there's There's been announcements in terms of when they're going to start the football again. You know, we've been given a sort of 1st of August start date and they're looking to get the players back in early June. We'll talk about that later on in the show. But there's no actual games to talk about. But there was an article this morning in the Sunday Mail. Now, it, it's, it seems incredulous that we're having to deal with this after we, we spoke about an issue with the same publication last week when uh, Club 1872 had a, a complaint upheld by by Ipso about a, a, a story ran by that that particular title, which is, as we know, was banned by Jersnet. Now, it was the, the thing, I, I never actually read it. Uh, I was I was up and out and about this morning, and then I was at a family barbecue this afternoon. When I came home you know, around about tea time, I, I started pulling the agenda together. And it, it was then, as, a, as, as you know, Frankie, I got in touch with you on the WhatsApp, it, the, the, the article's been pulled, which I think is telling. Now, if anyone out there listening doesn't know what it's about, it was David Lowe, who, as we all know, is a sort of famous Celtic fan, had commented about Rangers in, in terms of could they survive lockdown and the, the the impact it was going to have on the club financially. Now, the first thing I'm going to ask Stevie, of all the people to comment, it, it seems that allowing someone like David Lowe is the most inappropriate person I can think of, other than Phil or Angela Haggerty or someone of that oak. You know, you th- you'd have to go, why would the Sunday, if the Sunday Mail are going to run a story about this, why are they allowing a guy like that to comment? And does that show you the, the level of integrity that, that, that that's currently at that publication. It's bizarre. Um, David Lowe's the, the chairperson of the Celtic Trust. So I've no idea what kind of relevance he's got to comment on Rangers finances. Of course, Ian Graham, I think he was the, the, um, the author of the piece. He's a Celtic fan as well. Um, he has a lot of history with Rangers, shall we say. And there's a good post on, on our forum today about him. Um, and it kind of sums up the, the background of that guy and his intentions. But um, I mean, David Lowe is allegedly a financial expert, um, but some of the comments in the piece are laughable um, from a, a professional point of view, never mind any a sort of partisan point of view. So um, it's, it's all a bit strange. I mean, uh, David's background, I mean, he, he was involved with the, the, the Celtic rebels in the, the mid nineties when the, um, the challenge of biscuit tin mentality, of course. And if you go on, I think it's the Celtic Wiki, he's described as a Machiavellian spin doctor. So that in itself explains why he's maybe been picked by Celtic friendly journalists to speak about Rangers in the, the daily newspapers here. It's 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 crazy. And uh, I mean, the, the record in the Sunday Mail's relationship with Rangers is probably at an all-time low 
and uh, if you'll excuse the pun there, I suppose. Um, so it's definitely not going to improve. I, I like that, that. Sure, I like that. That was, good. <laughs> that, that was totally unintended. It just uh, it was it was it worked quite well for. Ah, it's um, it's it's an old time law, and, and obviously things are not going to improve if they keep having silly articles like this. I mean, it's it's quite sad nowadays actually for some of these these tabloid papers, whether it's the Record or the Sun. There's some good journalists write for them, and they've over the years both. These newspapers and several others have had good stories, important stories, and journalism for me is an important aspect to our freedoms in countries like this. And and, it, and it's sad to see them reduced to to clickbait articles to try and make make a few pence advertising revenue here and there. And the quality of the journalism is is, is terrible. Uh, it really is awful. I mean, uh, I, I don't think there's MD in Scottish mainstream media that I have much interest in. And reading nowadays, um, and that's not just from Rangers fans' point of view. It's just for a football fans' point of view, and and, it, and that kind of says a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm in my early forties now, and I grew up reading people like Michael Venny and and, and and guys like that. And nowadays, there's, there's as I say, there's nobody. I mean, Spears likes to think he's along those lines, and he's just a joke figure as well, completely dis discredited. And I, I just don't understand the the. Um, the viewpoint of these of these publications going down that road, it's the same with the with radio stations with Michael Stewart and and BT Sport. I mean, some of their coverage in the last week or two has been so pro Celtic, it's it's unbelievable. It's actually because they've lost the, the Scottish football contract, it's like they've been able to fling off their, their neutral black jacket and, and put on their hoops to to bring you the what the coverage they actually wanted to to bring in the first place. So it's it's kind of sad and and pretty laughable, uh, all things considered. Stevie, as, as I said earlier on, sort of when I was introducing the, the, the topic, when I went to do my, my research for the, the agenda tonight, the article had already been removed. Uh, now, as I said earlier, that, that seems like yet another embarrassment for, for, the, for the, the Daily Record and the Sunday Mail on the back of the, the issue with Club 1872 last week. Now, I mean, for us, I mean, as, as, as Rangers supporters, we will view it as an embarrassment, but do you think there's maybe an opportunity here, or, 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 or it's maybe the case that the Sunday Mail and the Daily Record know that these articles aren't going to last very long. But if they if they throw enough mud, then it sticks, and that it's just mischief making. You know, it, it, it seems, given what happened last week with Club 1872, you would think the Sunday Mail and the Daily Record would be careful about what they were pub publishing about Rangers Football Club. But it seems to have went totally another way today, as as we said, we brought in David Lowe to make discussions on Rangers finances. Part of me feels that's deliberate, and is that how it feels to you? Uh, yeah, I mean, of course it is deliberate. Um, Colin, like you say, they, they now know that they're doubling down, in, in my opinion. And the funny thing about the Daily Record and the Sunday Mail is they were the first to whinge um, during the week that they didn't get access to Yanis Hadji when he signed, and they wanted interviews and everything else. And, and those days are over now. If, if you write for these publications, no matter who you are, if you're Rangers friendly or anything else, you're, you're now blacklisted, so to speak. Um, Rangers aren't interested in dealing with the Daily Record or the Sunday Mail, the Sun, these publications that, that print lies and hurt us. And the fact that they had uh, you know, their big sensational Sunday article that with it was within a few hours pulled is embarrassing to them, but they won't care because it's job done. Rangers fans um, all around Scotland and Britain or whatever need to need to really realise now that 
this has gone beyond, you know, petty stuff. This is now lies. It's now an agenda. And we need to stop supporting the Daily Record, the Sunday Mail and the publications that hurt us. Um, don't buy it. Don't click it. Don't share it. And it's it's now more vitally important than ever. I mean, that article this morning was something that you would find on a, a Sevco blog. It was that bad. Um and it was easily disproved within, i seen three, four, five things that I could have disproved within just looking at it. Um, he said that there was no down payment from Castor to Rangers and things like that. And we had Tom Behan on the um, Jersey Night Four Lads podcast just a couple of weeks ago. And he sat and he told us all that £3 million had already been paid to the club. Now, if you're an editor of a publication and you've got a, a very important thing like that going out um, and you know it's going to get, you know, it, you know that it's going to get lots of um, publicity, you're going to make sure it's right unless that you have an agenda that you want to stick to. And it's clearly the agenda has always been on Rangers finances and everything else. And they can't accept that we're in a healthy position in the, in the coming weeks with the commercial moves that Rangers will make. Um, under James Bisgrove, they'll see how stupid their viewpoint and stance has been. But it's too late now. They're entrenched in it and it's gone too far. Um, Rangers fans, as I said, going back to it, it's not meant to be patronising or meant to um, lecture people. It's just it needs now to be taken very seriously. We cannot support these publications. If you're supporting them, you're hurting the club because they hate us. They're lying about us and people need to wake up to it now. Don't support them. Don't do anything that's going to encourage them to do what they're doing. Publication numbers are coming down and we need to now stick to our own and not these people. I'll, I'll stick, with, stick with you now, uh, Stephen. On, on some of the claims in that article, uh, now I think some of it came from a report and there was some of it you thought, you know, I could maybe see something in that because I think all football clubs are in a, a you know a, a precarious position at the moment you know given given the current situation no football no match day revenue all that kind of a thing and uh, now the, I think the report which David Lowe was was, was sort of citing or quoting uh, to support his claims he was saying that Rangers are overly reliant on match day revenue now part of me thinks that could be the case because obviously we've had the situation with uh, Sports Direct and Mike Ashley you know, recovering from the situation in 2012, we're not back to the to, to where we were in terms of getting all those revenue streams up and running. Uh, it seems that that's moving on now. But is there maybe something in that that the club are at the moment more reliant on match day revenue than they should be? Well, yes and no, because the way it was written, it was written to spin everything sounding negative with no balance. Um, you could have said that, for example, Rangers took in nearly four million of merchandise during that time, but 3.6 million was offset against battling um, Sports Direct and Mike Ashley. So that's why that percentage was so low. Um, in terms of, of spinning, that it, it works perfectly for the agenda of the article. Rangers are so high in percentage of, of gate receipts and matched income because the TV deals are so poor. So if we looked at it the other way, for a league that we um, perform in and, and live in, 
that doesn't have a sponsor. That isn't Rangers doing. So Rangers have to maximise their income. Now, as I went back and said before, um, in the coming weeks and, and months or whatever, you, you'll see new commercial things coming through that will be um, highly profitable for the club. They've already made three million pounds um, of of revenue from the retail and kit deal, with the potential of that to go as high as five, six, seven, eight, nine million, according to the owner of uh, the co-owner or co-founder of, of Castor, Tom Beahon. So these things are are all new revenue streams for us, Colin, in terms of this is going to be money that we didn't have last year. So those that article and the way it's spun isn't looking at the moves that we're now currently making. So yes, we might be, um, that percentages and, and that article might be true in terms of looking at it, but we're making inroads into other departments that is hopefully going to shorten this um, or, or shorten the shortfall that, that we might have in terms of not having match day revenue. COVID-19 is, is completely uncharted territory for everyone in terms of the, the club are, are, are having to, to kind of bridge that and, and do things. But Rangers aren't immune to it. We, we aren't, um, you know, everything isn't rosy, it isn't all hunky-dory and let's just stick our fingers in our ears. We should be concerned. We should watch what the board are doing. But I don't for one second think that... Um, things like the, the share issue and investment are suddenly just not going to happen anymore. I simply just think that, that it'll take a wee bit longer. If we're spending three million on Haji and other things that you'll see in, in coming weeks, then I don't think there's any need for us to be concerned about the, the direction we're going in financially and thinking that at the board, which include a lot of very healthy businessmen, would put it at risk. There was a quote this morning that, that said that... that um, Celtic should be grateful that they have Dermot Desmond and, and one, you know, multi-millionaire to, to, to steady them through this this um, phase and things like that. Well, Rangers have many. Rangers have a, have, have a whole boardroom full of them and they've got new investors coming. So it's how you spin an article and how you spin it um, to, to sound. And that article only had one... Um, thought in mind and that was to make us sound bad and to make us sound at risk so I'm not saying to ignore it I'm not saying that we shouldn't take every point and in, in board but if you're going to argue that that um, that we are too reliant on that then you need to look at the other factors involved in it also it was up at what 67% I think we rely on income of that but that's because other things like I've talked about is so low so put it in context and put it with balance and it wouldn't be as bleak is what they're trying to spin it in, is my point. Sure, coming back to you, uh, there was, the, I mean, there was a couple of things I read. Uh, I think it, I think the, the, the Sun have picked up the story. I managed to get a, a few of the quotes of what he said in the Sun, and I, I actually hate using them as well. I hate using any of the sort of red tops, but it was the only way I could find something for tonight's agenda. Uh, there, there was also a comment from, that I found slightly obscure and a wee bit contradictory. Now, it, Stephen there has, has, has pointed out, you know, that, that Castori have already provided three million pounds to Rangers. We have had that advance. That advance. Now David Lowe claimed that Celtic will receive a huge advance from Adidas, and Rangers won't receive anything from Castori. Now there's two points here. Stephen's already covered one by saying we have received that three million. The other one is I, I find it incredulous that a, a, a major sort of 
publication like the Sunday Mail or the Daily Record took what David Lowe said about Adidas and, and never questioned it because as, as people know, Adidas have, have had their own financial woes through this uh, current situation with the with the COVID-19 pandemic. They've received a £1 million government bailout recently uh, and they've been late with payments to, to clubs that they have kit deals with, including Flamengo. So for David Lowe to sit there and say, well, Celtic will get a huge advance from Adidas because Adidas are a, an established brand and Rangers won't get anything. When one, Rangers have already received three million and two, Adidas are not in the best financial health at the moment and other clubs have been missed out with their payments. How a paper couldn't question that, I find staggering. Is, is that how you viewed it at the time as well, that that was quite a contradictory statement? Of course it is. But, I mean, Stevie was right in, in what he said. It's, it's a spinning exercise. Um, Celtic are desperate to get the, the, the league started again um, because they need money just as much as we do and they need to get European uh, secure Champions League qualification. Um, if we don't get playing again soon, their chances of qualifying for the, the Champions League group stage reduce substantially. And it's big money that they need because the problem they've got is, is that they need, like us, they need to to sell players and the, the transfer market is, well, it's uh, to say it's slow as an understatement. So the kind of money that we're talking about for Rodson Edwards and, and such like um, earlier in the year, your 40 millions and 30 millions. And the same goes for us in terms of Morelos and stuff like that. You're, you're going to struggle to achieve that, certainly um, in, in the short term. Maybe maybe this time next year, uh, they might pick up again. I'm sure it will. But um, in the meantime, Celtic want to get stories out there to make us look bad, to get uh, the other teams and other clubs in Scotland on their side, the other decision makers. So that, I think, Rangers are in trouble. We have to believe everything Celtic says. Celtic's everything's rosy in their garden when it isn't. I mean, Celtic are quite comfortable at the moment. I mean, they've had a free run at Scottish football for the last nine years now. So in terms of finances, I'd say they're, they're pretty comfortable. Are they as comfortable as the claim in their accounts? I'm not so sure. Um, and as Dermot Desmond is a great character, as, as Lowe likes to profess, again, I'm not so sure. I mean, he's appealing a, a decision uh, just now in the courts. So I think they were, he was he's, uh, one of the banks he's a, a um, minority investor in was fined £80 million a couple of years ago, and they're appealing that in court for money laundering. So um, there's, there's issues ongoing for Celtic. They've, they've got issues, clearly, with the um, child abuse stuff uh, over the last five decades. Um, it's not something I'm really willing to spend a lot of time on on, on this podcast on my website. I don't think it's something that, that that we should be looking to score points on. However, it is a major problem and it's something that the, the media should be talking about. It's something Celtic don't want to talk about and it's something that, that is going to cost them a lot of money and again probably in the medium term. Um, so as I say, Celtic need money as much as we do. Um, there isn't any, any two ways about that. And so to, to read stories like this in the newspaper to suggest that one club is struggling and the other isn't struggling is just mischief making. Uh, Ewan Graham is good at that. Um, David Lowe is making a career out of that. Um, and it's probably one of the main reasons why, he's, as I say, he was announced as chair at the Celtic Trust, I think it was in January of this year. Um, and it's just bizarre that they think that uh, we're buttoned up the back, that we're going to sit there and think, oh no, what's going on here, our team uh, is on the, the brink of another administration. When it's, it, 
it's, it just isn't true. I mean, the retail stuff, as Stevie mentioned, with Castor is excellent. Um, we've got the new membership scheme, which has already brought in up to a million pounds, which is good going. I'm pretty sure renewals, despite what's happening with the pandemic, will be as good as last year um, once we get through to the end of June. Um, I, don't, I don't see a problem. There's got share issues coming, new investors. Um, I, I'm pretty confident in Rangers' uh, financial status at the minute. Um, and to be honest, the last people I need to be lectured to by it is you, Graham, and, and David Lowe. Stevie, you kind of alluded to this earlier on. You know, one of the quotes uh, from David Lowe was, uh, I've got it here, Celtic fans regularly criticise major shareholder Des uh, Dermot Desmond, sorry, but they should be careful what they wish for. There's never been a better time for any club to have a genuine billionaire on hand. Now, you, you've pointed out that, that, you know, Rangers also have, you know, people within the boardroom that, that, that have money and are, and are prepared to invest. However, the... The thing that I found strange uh, in that comment from David Lowe is that uh, certainly some of his comments on Twitter and some of his followers and various other people, including even Michael Stewart recently, you know, when Rangers announced the Hadji deal, it was where's the money coming from? And all these claims of, you know, spending uh, out with our means and, you know, it's financial doping and all that kind of thing. Now, that seemed, again, a strange comment that no one would pick up on from the Sunday Mail or Daily Record. He's basically saying if Rangers are, uh, sorry, if Celtic are struggling financially, he'll cover the shortfall. Now, this is the very thing that Rangers have faced accusations of, of financial doping over the last couple of years when, you know, the current board members have been providing soft loans and that'll be turned into shares further down the line and all that kind of thing. And yet, He's basically saying, well, we've got a billionaire, so Celtic fans should be okay because if we run out of money, he'll plug the gap. It seems incredulous to me that Celtic fans don't see, and, and the wider Scottish footballing community, including, including people in the media, don't see how contradictory and, and, and hypocritical that comment is. Yeah, but it's not surprising, is it? Because this is the sort of nonsense that we've faced now for several years, and it's the story that they want to to do that that harms our business and this is you know this isn't surprising it happens we see a double standard in, in reporting for everything that um in, involves us and it's a, a free for all on our club and on our supporters but what i would say is then what i am proud of is within hours of that article going up um Fan media had ripped it to bits and forced it coming down. And that's the future for us now, um, whether it's, 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 it's ourself at Four Lads of Dream, whether it's Chairs Net, whether it's Heart and Hand, that is, um, that is where we are now. And within a couple of hours, Club 1872 had, had chased it and, and it had all been down. That is it now for Rangers fans. It has to be a line in the sand. If you look at this guy being given that platform, and I'll repeat it again, it's not meaning to be patronising or anything like that, Colin, and it's not meaning to, to, to disregard your question or whatever. I'm just at the point now where, for me, they are happy for this agenda to go forward. They're not interested in how bad it looks. The point you make is absolutely correct. Of course it is, but they're not interested in that because this is Rangers and they want to paint us in a bad light and, and certain members of the media can't wait for it Um to be discussed and, and and they live for for these conversations and I've just I've got no time for them I've got no time for these publications um, I had journalists from the, the Daily Record because I picked up on something that Gavin Berry said last weekend 
telling me that Gavin Berry was a great guy and, and the Daily Record don't have an agenda and everything else. And I told him I wasn't interested. And I'll say the same thing here. You're either for Rangers or you're, you're against us. And if, if you're a Rangers fan working for these publications now, you won't get to deal with Rangers. It's as simple as that. People like the Record, the, the Sunday Mail, the, the Sun and things like that aren't welcome anymore. Um, Rangers PR is going to be a lot more different. People have already seen it. Um, Hadji with, with heart and hand was, was groundbreaking. Um, ourself at four last years. Now we'll we'll get our chance to to interview new signings and things like that, and that's the way it is now. When football does restart, uh, we've been promised access to the first team squad and things like that. That that the press and things won't get now. So, as far as this article goes this morning, um, it's the only thing that we should do with it as a support is laugh at it. It was ridiculed. It was taken down within hours. They don't see how condescending it is, Colin. They're not interested in it because they have an agenda against us. Um, it's tiresome. It's pathetic. I'm sure that that you, I'm sure that um, yourself and, and Stuart, you know, sick of it coming up. We did the best thing on Jersey Night by banning it. Um, I would encourage everybody just to do the same. And it isn't me being patronising or dismissive. It just needs to be a concerted effort now by the Rangers support. Support your fan media. Don't give... Um, your time to these publications that give a platform to people like that this morning. Sure, on that issue of sort of fan-led media, and obviously we're part of that, you know, doing the pod and and the Jersey website. Stevie's got his blog, he's, he's, he's got his separate podcast. You've got Heart and Hand, you've got a few others out there that have really came on leaps and bounds over the last few years. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of comments on, on Twitter and social media at the moment saying, sort of echoing what Stevie's just said there now, that, that, that that's the way forward. I, 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 I kind of agree and disagree with that. I, I mean, I, I agree with, with, with Rangers and, and Rangers supporters' stance on publications like the Daily Record and the Sunday Mail. And it actually saddens, saddens me that, it, that, it, that it's got to that stage, because I think what you said earlier on, Stuart, was right. You know, if we have a healthy... Uh, media and a, a good relationship with the media and, and, and you get top quality journalism, then that, that's a better thing because, you know, the, the media are not totally connected to the club and are maybe in a good position to, to, to question things. That's my one fear about fan-led media and, and I'm not having a go at anyone that's gone that's going down this road at all. And, and, and I think a lot of the stuff that's that's happened recently has, has, been, has, has been brilliant. However, could that lead to problems further down the road if, if, if various like like ourselves say or stevie or heart and hand or we are the people podcast or any podcast if we start getting too close to the club does that maybe then compromises in terms of being able to question the club you know at the moment it's a good thing that fan-led media is getting access to all these things but is this maybe creating problems further down the line possibly um i think it's a fair question to ask um I- at the same time, um, I've known Stevie for a while now. I know Davey at Heart and Hand. I've known him for a long time. Big market follow, follow. These are all credible people uh, who have all in the past stood up, myself included, to criticise the club when need be. So I don't think there's any of us um, that would take a player interview or a, t- a match ticket or a bit of sponsorship here or there to look back down on something we think is wrong. I mean, there's too much happened at Rangers in the last 10 to 15 years to, to, to take things at face value. And I don't think any Rangers fan would or does do that nowadays. And I think um, it's important that we take the mainstream media to account, like we have done today when, when they make 
deliberate or non-deliberate mistakes, you, you get it corrected. And I would say the same for us. If, if I say something or write something on my website um, and I'll get it wrong, tell us. Um, recently, I mean, there was one chap a bit critical of the fact that we've been carrying adverts for uh, season ticket renewals. That's fair enough. I reckon we wouldn't be too critical of the club on, for example, the Major scheme. Um, I'm quite happy to have anybody on the podcast or write on my website to criticise, uh, to, to, as long as it's constructive. Um, so, yeah, the club have got to be careful. You, you, you don't want to, to have everything as a yes, sir, to bags fuel, sir. You know, you have to have criticism. Um, but I'm also fairly confident, as I mentioned at the start, that we have people that have proven themselves over the years to be critical where required and to be constructive where required. And I, I, I'm hoping that the club will recognise that. Uh, we've got experienced people um, working. That, I mean, guys like uh, Douglas Park has, has been involved with Rangers for the better part of 40, 50 years. So he, this guy knows and his son knows exactly what fan media is like. Uh, uh, Graham's grew up around part of it. Um, so I, you're right. We have to be careful, but at the same time, I'm, I'm more than confident that, that, that we will be and that we'll be held to account ourselves if, if we're not careful. Colin, can I just quickly say something on that in terms of um, when we were first kind of um, in discussions uh, with the club with that, the first thing I said to the club was, one, I don't want anything for this. I'm not interested in taking any sort of payment or any... Um, like hospitality days or whatever else, anything I've had, um, I've maybe had off, off sponsors, which is involved hosting competitions or anything. I've never taken anything from Rangers directly and I won't. The second thing I said to them was that this absolutely cannot stop me from being critical. Um, you will have read blogs and, and heard on podcasts before that we have criticised where we think is necessary and that for me won't and shouldn't stop. And that was made perfectly clear to the club right at the very start and it was all I, I said to them and I'm not the only one that said to them this can't be a, a case of you know Stevie if you want access to speak to Gerard on Wednesday then you can't criticise us it, it's not happening the club know where we stand club know where I stand rather um, I can't speak for anyone else although I know that is a position but um, for myself it's not going to be a case of everything's all all lit, sweetness and light Um it might mean that certain things that I do in terms of, of speculation and, and signings and things are different, but that comes with um, being more directly involved, I suppose. However, in terms of not being able to criticise or question the club, the club are well aware that that won't stop. Um, I think in the two and a bit years that I've done the blog, I have been fair um, and criticised and, and praised when necessary. Um, but for those listening and those that were listening, um, I'd like to just state that for a fact that that's not going to change. Um, the club will be held accountable when I feel necessary, as I have done. And I think that that's uh, clear for all of us that um, have, have been given this opportunity by the club. Yeah, I think I should point out uh, that, you know, I'm not in any way against fan-led media because at the end of the day, I'm part of it and I have been part of it for a while. You know, I've, I've written for Follow Follow in the past. Uh, I've written for the We Are People magazine and, and, you know, I've done bits and bobs during my time and I've enjoyed it and I, I, and I think it's a great thing that fan-led media is out there. I think it, 
the quality of it has been high. And I'm not just talking about Rangers, you know, some of the other podcasts, other clubs are of a high standard. The content is excellent in a lot of them. And in some ways, they're, they're leading the way. I mean, obviously, around Rangers, you'd have to say that heart and hand are leading the way. Some of the stuff that they've done has been excellent over the years. However, I think my, my fears are based on my own experience when when I was writing for the Rangers News. Now, I was writing from the Rangers News from a, from a supporter's perspective. Now, at the time, uh, Colin Glass, who was part of the sort of original Rangers Supporters Trust, got in touch with me. And we had a wee chat. He took me out for lunch one day and explained everything they were doing. Now, I'd already become a member of the Rangers Supporters Trust. And uh, so I, I said to him, right, I'll do a wee piece sort of publicising what it is you're doing. And uh, the club... When, when I submitted my, my article, uh, the editor, Lindsay Herring, came back almost straight away and said, there's absolutely no way uh, that I can sanction this uh, because it's kind of attacking David Murray. And that was kind of my first experience of the politics that's involved between supporters and their clubs. You know, I mean, I didn't see anything wrong with, with what I'd written. I didn't think it was uh, attacking David Murray and such. It was just questioning where the club was going. But there was absolutely no way that that was going to be included uh, and, a, and, and a, an official club publication, even although my column was a fan-led column and it had a disclaimer on it saying this does not represent the views of Rangers Football Club. So I think that's maybe where my foundations for fear is. I'm, I'm not questioning the integrity of anyone that's involved in fan media at the moment. I just fear that as relationships become cosier down the years, that it might create problems. But that said, I don't think you can do anything but doff your hat to some of the stuff that's happening at the moment. You know, some of the stuff that you've done, Stevie, before lads and some of the interviews, heart and hand as well. You know, some of the stuff that's that's been done so far has been brilliant. I just think it needs to stay on 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 the right side of the fence as, as we move forward. Uh, guys, the, the other thing coming out from this week, moving on from David Lowe and his self-quietness, uh, we sort of touched on it last week's show and it was confirmed this week, Hadji, his, his, his deal has been... It's, went from a, a loan deal to a permanent deal. Uh, sure, do you feel that this is a good move for Rangers? In a word, yes. Um, to get him for, I think they're talking around about two and a half, three million pounds, I think is a really good deal. This guy's got a brand about him. Um, more importantly, he's obviously a good player. I think he showed enough in his, uh, in his few months um, at, the, at the club before this, so the, the pandemic blew up that is. He's, he's a very talented young man. Um, and this was when we were playing poorly. And I think he was also, to a certain extent, on occasion, played out of position. I'd like to think that the player will know a bit more about the club now, know a bit more about the Scottish game. The same will go for the manager. And the other players at the club will know his game a bit better and know exactly how to get the best from him. And I, I don't see any any downsides to this at all uh, clearly it's a lot of money um, and in uncertain times um i guess if you have got three million pounds in from castor and spent it on hadji right away then we've not lost out anywhere because it was money we were going to get in last last season so that's one way of looking at it. obviously the way the deal will be structured there'll be certain payments over the next four years anyway so i don't think there's anything to worry about and i do also think that he's another player that if he does choose to move on at some point that we should be able to make a, a healthy profit on. Um, he's only 21. Um, he's played um, at a decent level now for, for a, a good few years. Um, 
Rangers can only improve his game. Um, it's got to be physical. It's got to be played at pace. And our fans are fickle and demanding. Um, so it's 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 a win-win for all parties as far as I'm concerned. I'm really looking forward to to him coming back um, when, we, when we start the football again. Stevie, going back to the, the, the mainstream media, there's been some commentators in there, uh, sort of usual suspects, and a couple of ex-Rangers players as well, have questioned the fee. How do you feel about the, the fee? Do you feel it's excessive? Especially given the current situation, you know, as, 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 as Stuart alluded to earlier on, you know, and I, I read a piece today that, you know, an agent saying that players will have to become a wee bit more realistic when it comes to wage negotiations and stuff like that because the whole market is going to depress for a while. So given that, does, does it, the fee seem excessive or are you quite happy with it? No, the fee's spot on. You're buying somebody that um, undoubtedly um, teams from Italy and other places, even England, who wanted them would have gladly paid seven, eight million for so three million yeah, is a lot of money for us. Um, just to, to kind of say one point, it, it's three million over three years. A million's already been paid up. So if you look at it in terms of um, the the MyJer scheme, which is now at ten thousand, if we can get that up to targeted numbers of around twenty thousand and earn the club a million pounds, that one million pounds has paid for Yanis Hadji and will do over the next three years, which is a whole point in the MyJer scheme. So you look at it in that content, then it's it's a tremendous deal for us. We're not going to lose money on this boy, um, even if he doesn't perform, which I think is, is unrealistic. I think this boy will um, be in a, a brilliant place because he's he spent some months here. And not only has he spent some months here, excuse me, not only has he spent some months here, he's, he spent some months in a time where Rangers weren't functioning properly. So you imagine sticking this boy in a team that is functioning properly and he can get into the positions we know he can to hurt teams. It's all about getting the best out of him. I think he's a cracking player. I think he's a cracking signing. I'm very excited that he's here. Um, I'm very positive that he's here. Um, and and to me, it's it's one of those ones that's a, a no-brainer. I thought it was a no-brainer to spend four and a bit million on, on him. So to find out that we've negotiated that lower to three million is, is an incredible deal. I think that Ross Wilson has already shown um in the short time that he's been with us, even with the guys who left in January with sell on clauses for younger players, buyback fees, etc., that he knows exactly what he's doing. I'm excited about the players that we're going to bring in. Um I'm excited about Yanis Hadji. And as for other people calling um the likes of Kenny Miller on, on Sports Sound and everything else, I, I couldn't care less what these guys think. And that's no disrespect. Kenny Miller was a great player for us, but he's got a wee bit of the Barry, Barry Ferguson syndrome when he speaks in the media. Um, they're obviously trying to find their way and trying to to be um, to find their niche in, in the media, and that's fine. But uh, I've got no interest in, in what these guys are saying. My only interest is in what we are doing. Yanis Hadji will be a cracking player for us. Three millions a snip, in my opinion. I'm sure a lot of Rangers fans feel the same. Um, he's a he's an international brand name. His face is on Pepsi Max cans, for goodness sake. You know, this is at the level of, of kind of brand exposure. His dad was one of the most famous players in the world. I'd be really surprised if Rangers don't give him the number 10 jersey. I think that's a, one of these ones that is an obvious market employee. Um, and I think it will pay for itself. I really do. I think, as I said, without waffling further on, I'm excited about it. It is a no-brainer for me. 
and I'll back Hadji to get 15 goals next season. Sure. Uh, Stephen alluded there to Ross Wilson. We spoke last week on the show about you know the players that were going out the door, obviously players like Andy Halliday, uh, Flanagan, uh, Wes, and a few others. Is this now a sign, you know, the first sort of signs of Ross Wilson really picking up his role? You know, this is probably the first full season he's going to get a crack at it. You know, he's starting, it's almost like a pre-season for him. He's there in the summer to plan ahead for the season. You know, he's got players out the door. He's secured, has he? Is this him now, you know, picking up and, and motoring on? And, and, and is this a sign of further things to come from him? Yeah, you've got to assume that. Um, it's I, I feel a bit sorry for the guy in terms of obviously what's happening uh, with the with the pandemic. The the market's slow in terms of getting players in and out, or certainly achieving fees for for players. I mean, I think in, in normal circumstances, guys we could have maybe uh, got rid of ways before now for for money. Um, you might, we might have uh, extended his contract even. Um, same with, with Flanagan. Um, they might well have looked at that, but I think. It makes more sense just now if, if guys' contracts are finished just to let them go if they're on decent money because guys before you might have thought, well, we could get a, a decent six-figure fee or, or maybe a, a million or two. It's just not going to happen now. Um, it is a big summer for Wilson, though, because, I mean, that, that's four players that left last week and I think we've got a, a first-team squad around about 26. Um, you've got Los Canberry as well, back to Hibs, who was playing fairly regularly towards the end of the season. Um, we've only brought Hadji in so far. I mean, we're, we're obviously we're going to bring more people in, but I think we all know that our squad needs to be improved for next season. I mean, if it, if the pandemic had happened uh, around about the winter break, we maybe would have had different opinions on where we stood. But once again, um, it seems a long time ago now, but we, we fell apart really quite badly in the new year. And that's something that the manager, first and foremost, the players themselves, and Ross Wilson has to address in terms of what players, what other players do we move on and what other players do, do we get in. I mean, um, Halliday and, and uh, Flanagan have gone, so we've only left with Barisic at left back. On the right-hand side, you've only really got Tav and Polster. I mean, and I don't think the manager was ever really overly keen on Polster, but I mean, the, the guy did quite well towards the the end of the, the sort of pre-pandemic uh, season. So a left back has to be a priority. Um, so that there's there's at least one player. Another goalkeeper has to come in. Um, I, I, McGregor is, is is fantastic, but how many more years can we realistically look to to get from him? Um, Andy Firth, I'm not convinced about. Um, Robbie McCrory, I like the look of, but he's still pretty young. So we need another goalkeeper. Um, depending on what happens with Cranberry, we need another striker. So there's a lot of work for for Wilson to do. In the summer, um, um, it's it's and and it's exactly what how he'll be tested as to to see how he does there because uh, as I say, if 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 we didn't uh, bring in the right players, then we'll we'll struggle again to to challenge for uh, the title. Stephen, on on the title and on the season, uh, news came out on Friday there that. Uh, there was a there was a meeting between the SPFL board and Joe Fitzpatrick, and they're, they're, they've given a date for the top flight clubs, uh, the, the 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 Premiership clubs, to be back training on the 11th of June for a first of August start. Now, uh, it's maybe just me. I don't know. It just seems to me that this 
feels all a bit rushed. Uh, I, I mean, I know the, the, the Bundesliga is back up and running, the green lights happen down south for the Premiership to finish the last season, you know, so Liverpool will actually win their title rather than being awarded it, as was the case up here. Uh, but, I mean, given the current situation, I mean, I know we've, we've come out one phase of lockdown, but it still seems to me that, you know, big crowds and all that, uh, big events is some way off. I mean, how realistic is a 1st of August start? Because I've, I've, I've seen worries about clubs being able to afford testing and all that kind of a thing. Is, is this pie in the sky or is there a realistic chance that we'll, we'll kick off again in August? Well, whether it's realistic or not, Colin, I think, if anything, in the last couple of weeks or months has told us that if the SPFL wants something to happen and they're being driven by other means, then they will make it happen. So just like awarding a title and finishing a league when nobody else in, in Europe was kind of looking at it that way, that's the way they wanted it, so they've done it. So if they want August the 1st as their start date, that's what we're going towards. Um, I don't think realistically we'll see a full stadium until next year, um, unless there's you know a, a, a cure, um, which obviously we all hope there will be. Um, but I just I just don't see it in in terms of this league. I'm just taking it as 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 a go that that we will be back because you know it doesn't really matter. This has proven in the last couple of months. It doesn't really matter what. The players want, they wanted, you know, reconstruction and nobody cares what they think. I mean, it's only the players that are in the league. Um, the fans didn't want leagues stopped and titles handed out and everything else. Well, some fans did, but the majority didn't. So if the SPFL have decided this is when we're going, this is when we're going, Colin, and it's proven now that there's nothing that we can really do about it, but chip away, expose them for what they are. And, and try and enforce change, which was always going to be a long-term strategy. It was always going to be a long-term thing. I warned everybody when I read, when I wrote about it, that it was a marathon, not a sprint. So I'm taking it as, as read as being August the 1st is when we'll be back. I know that Rangers um, have already um, kind of implemented, I think the 15th of June was when we had our start date. Um, that may change a couple of days because it, it's now been granted as the 11th. But I know that some of the local lads have already been up at... Um, Rangers Training Centre are doing double sessions and things and, and other players that have been abroad that will all return for that in time. So I'm taking it as we're going for it, Colin. Is it realistic? It doesn't really matter if it's realistic, in my opinion. If, if the SPFL want their way, they'll get it. I do think it is what will happen, whether it's um, feasible or not. Unfortunately, I'm just, I've, I've got to the bit where I'm a wee bit now where it doesn't really matter. If, if they decide, then that's what's happening. Um, until we force change, we're not going to get a level playing field at that at that levels. I'm afraid. Um, so yeah, I mean, all all go ahead for August the first. Why they're desperate to get it all up and restarted? Maybe what happens if if Hearts, for example, were to take them to court? That might be why they're wanting to get to that stage and fixtures out and things like that. Who knows? Um, I'm sure it'll be for their own agenda anyway. Sure. I mean, the 11th of June uh, for pre-season training uh, again. Looking at it, you know, normally if the, the, the players, uh, the players would normally come back sort of late June, early July. Uh, and, well, actually, no, they would probably come back about the same time, uh, mid June. But part of that process would be things like you know preseason friendlies, tours, all that kind of a thing. Now, given that, that social distancing is still an issue, and I'm assuming that the training when we, when we kick off and we start training on the 11th of June, 
it will be as what it is in, in England at the moment and the social distancing aspect is very much part of it. How do you get yourself into a, a situation where players are match fit to go on the 1st of August? You know, the, given that we don't know how this is going to go and given how people, as I said earlier on, it seems like people have almost thought, well, that's it, lockdown's over. And you've seen some of the images of beaches and parks and everyone's out. And I've heard people saying, you know, people in high places that they fear a, a sort of second wave of, of this virus coming back. I mean, for Steven Gerrard and for the club, and for all clubs, essentially, but we'll focus on Rangers because that's our club. How can how can they plan for that? Come back to the 11th of June for the 1st of August start when they can't organise any pre-season friendlies and it could be curtailed at any moment. It could be, The breaks could be put on at any moment. With great difficulty, um, I think, yeah, Colin, it's, it is, it's very tough. I, I didn't envy anybody involved in football, even those on the, the SPFL board, in, in terms of planning for what well, there has to be a variety of eventualities. A second wave is definitely one of them. But uh, first and foremost, it has to be those involved's health. I mean, players' health. Um, we all have our own personal issues. Um, football players and managers and staff around the club, they're, they're no different for the rest of us in that respect. So we have to be looking after them. Um, Rangers have a duty of care, they're, they're employees. Um, so I, I think certainly for the the first few weeks. I don't, I don't think there's going to be a lot of contact. Um, and, and, and in some respects, pre-season training is, is different in any case because the first week or two is going to be a lot of running anyway and a lot of recovery. Um, I don't, I'm not exactly sure how they're going to get around uh, playing, uh, bringing the football into the, 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 uh, the, the training. That'll be a game with difficulty, but it can be done. What worries me is, is um, getting people match fit and knowing how they can react and how they can play on the field of play when, when we actually get back into competitive action because you, it's it's most likely that Rangers are going to have a game before anybody else because chances are we're going to be playing the second leg of the Leverkusen game um, at any point over the next four to six weeks. So if we, we do need our players back and, and fit if they want, I mean, the chances of us coming back in that tie are, are, are very low, of course, but um, that's, that's not to say that we, we, we can't do it. I mean, Leverkusen have, have got to have a, a head start on us with, with German football back in action, but um, as, as a layman, I, I, I'm not exactly sure how Rangers are, are doing their planning. They've been doing a lot of these webinars with their, uh, with their players, which is good. Um, I'm sure they're in contact with, with them in terms of their diet and their, their overall general fitness. The players are professionals, they're earning a lot, of, a lot of money, so I'd expect all that, that report back to talking how the next week or two that, that they'll all be fit and ready to go. But uh, as I say, football's going to be very different, not just on the park, but off the park for, for those of us that want to go to games and buy season tickets. I mean, how possible is that going to be? How's, how's the structure of the league going to be put together? Is it going to be 12 teams, 14, 10? There's only going to be one top division of 16. Um, how many games are we going to play? All our games? There's only going to be half as many games. It's, there's 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 too many questions just now, and I don't think any of us can 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 really give a, a really in depth answer. Um, and I certainly don't think uh, or trust the, the the guys at the SPFL. Just as Stevie uh, we talked about a few minutes ago, um, in terms of doing it for any sort of benefit uh, towards Rangers. So. I think we, we can only take HD as it comes. We're all doing that ourselves and, and Rangers will have to do the same. And I think in terms of supporters, we're just going to have to be patient in terms of 
how the um, how the players perform and and give them time to to get up and running. Stevie, the, the one of the things through that whole period of you know two three weeks ago when we had the farce with the vote and all the rest of it, you know through that whole period Celtic were were very uh, very quiet, you know no statements, nothing to say. Uh, recently that's changed, you know they've, they've, they've been they've been very vocal recently and. Towards the end of last week, they were demanding that the SPFL issue a fixture list as soon as possible. Now, again, that seemed like a strange uh, statement for me, and, and I was trying—I was trying to get my head around why they would be doing it. Lots of people speculating on social media that you know Celtic are going to try and reverse the the first old fun game of the season. It, it's scheduled to be at Ibrox. Uh, do you think there's anything in that? Or, or, and if not, why do you think Celtic are, are demanding that the SPFL provide a fixture list ASAP? Um, uh, I, I honestly don't know what goes through their mind. I'm not really interested, in all honesty. Um, it could be a number of things, Colin. They'll have a reason, no doubt, that won't be um, preferable to us. Um, I can't even remember who was due. I thought it was them that was due up with the first old firm. Um, at home, so it's most. I would have just thought it was most likely that um, we'd both get one old firm at each stadium behind closed doors, and and we'd go from there. But I mean, I don't think I don't think we can even know what goes on with them. I'm, I'm not really. I don't mean to sound bad, Colin, or dismiss your question, but I, I couldn't really care less why they're doing it. Um, I don't pay any attention. They'll have some reason, no doubt. It'll be something to do with. Um, money or, or getting the fixtures on? Is it something to do with Hearts possibly challenging? And I just don't know. I, I find it very difficult to to care in terms of what goes on at, at Celtic. And that's not meaning to sound disrespectful or bad. I've just got no interest. I'm only interested in Rangers. Um, with regards to, to, to what happens and everything else, it's, it's, do you ever feel that way that you're just kind of tired of, of all the, the discussion surrounding it and the SPFL and I'm I'm bored of it now. The whole thing is is has just been rotten to the core over the last couple of months, and it's sickened me. There's been no intention of ever doing anything fairly in my book. I just hope that we, as a club, as you said, and something we touched upon earlier, Rangers maybe got away away with it a wee bit because we were from from Christmas time and that we were absolutely hopeless. So certain players and, and maybe even the management have got away from that kind of thing. We could have turned it around, absolutely, we could have. But uh, my intention now. And, and what I'm trying to focus on is, is making sure that when we do get back to training, we hit the ground running and um, and we play like we should and, and like we can, Colin, because we need to be a whole lot better. We need to be ready. We need to get our finger out and we need to have a sustainable challenge this year. That's what I'm looking for. Otherwise, we're, we're kind of staring down the barrel of possibly new management and things like that, mate. So uh, very conscious of time, um, waffled on probably too long, but that's, that's where I am with it, buddy. And it's not mean to dismiss your question, but... I don't really care about anything they do. I, honestly, Stevie, I don't mind you dismissing a question that involves Celtic. Not at all. Uh, final question to yourself. Uh, obviously, the, the, the SPFL board met to discuss when football come back. Met with uh, Joe Fitzpatrick, MSP, on Friday. Now, the interesting thing about this is Peter Law was also present at the meeting and was also involved in discussions. Uh, Again, you know, given everything that's happened over the past few past few weeks, sorry, this is just another thing that makes you think, well, why? Why is he there? Well, you know, if he's not part of the SPFL board, 
why is he at that meeting and why does he have to be there? And I also noticed I was, uh, I was reading an article on the Anne Budge situation and, and, and Doncaster had said, yeah, I had a, a very interesting meeting with the chairman of another club. And you're thinking, well, why is there another club there? And why are you not mentioning who that club is? You know, and it's all this kind of cloak and dagger stuff. Uh, but going back to my main question, why why was Peter Law allowed to be at that meeting? And why is his influence uh, so strong in the Scottish game at the moment? It, it just seems to me, if anything's happening, he has to have his say. Um, it, Peter Law will run Scottish football. I mean, it's as simple as that. Um, he's there to babysit Neil Doncaster, who's had a, a torrid time of it. Stevie's right. Um, I think we're all tired of the, the SPFL crap for the last sort of six to eight weeks. However, these people want us to be tired of it. They want us to turn our attentions to other things. They want to get away with what was, I'll say, bordering on corruption in terms of the vote that went on there. Everybody and their dog knows that what happened eight weeks ago was wrong. And when you've got Tom English saying it as such, then that says a lot for me. So Lawwell at that point didn't say anything for about six weeks, neither did Celtic, quite rightly because you, you didn't need to get involved. They've got other people to do their dirty work for them. However, the SPFL made a lot of mistakes. Doncaster made mistakes. McLaren made mistakes. There's other guys on the SPFL board that clearly showed they were out their depth. So that's why you've seen Peter Lawwell appear again. Um, in some respects, if, if we're kind, Celtic are the champions of Scotland and have been now for for nine years or eight and a half years or however you want to to, to highlight that. So, and I think normally, I can't remember if it's every year or every second year, Rangers and Celtic take turnabout in terms of how we're representative on the SPFL board. And obviously Stuart Robertson has been on the board now for, the last year or, or two, so it's probably Celtic's turn. So there's probably a case of, if we're being kind, that, that there has to be a handover period and, and Celtic are entitled to be at that table. So um, if the less paranoid amongst us might take that avenue of thinking. But I'll go back to the, my, my first sentence. He runs Scottish football. Um, I think everybody knows that. So that's why he's present and he's just shown his, that, 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 that position of strength that he's in by by taking control of these situations in the last week or two. Right, guys, one last question, one quick one. I know we've slightly overrun, uh, but I thought we would finish on uh, talking about Rangers because I think Stevie's right. We've kind of alluded to to, to Celtic a wee bit too much tonight. When, when the football does come back, it's come back obviously in Germany recently and it's been behind closed doors. So there's every possibility that come the 1st of August, that's how it'll be. I don't know if any of you two have watched the, the, the Bundesliga since it's come back. I have to admit, I struggled with it. And I asked myself the question, if it was Rangers playing, would it, would it draw me in more? And I have to say, I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it'll just click in, you know, that, that feeling that this is Rangers and I, I want to watch it. But hearing the players, you know, shouting and just no atmosphere, I, it, it struggled to hold my attention, I must admit. Uh, so I'll quickly come to two of you. Stevie, how do you feel behind closed doors I know it won't be, be the same but will it still be enough to, to, to pull you in absolutely it won't be the same Colin you're right I'll miss it I'll miss the match the experience I'll miss the laugh with the, the boys um, around me Leighton and, and the boys there 
I'll, I'll miss everything. I'll miss the, the crowd shouts and all that sort of stuff. But you know what? I'll, I'll miss Rangers more. So to be able to see them in any sort of capacity, um, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I just, I'm, I'm focused now on, on what I said before. I just want us to come back and just hit the ground running and show what we're capable of now, Colin. What about you, Stuart? Closed doors, will it dilute your, your, your passion for the game? I think it dilute anybody's passion. However, um, it won't dilute my passion for Rangers. So um, I can't watch any football other than uh, Rangers games with any real passion nowadays. I mean, when I was younger, I, I, I liked Liverpool. I was a big big fan of Dalgleish when I was uh, and, uh, just a, a toddler. Um, for that reason, that's why I like Liverpool. Then I, I grew into Rangers. I loved Scotland at that time. I mean, we all loved the Rangers players play for Scotland and Scotland qualifying for World Cups and European Championships and, and what have you. But Rangers are our main love. And uh, I, I think we're all desperate to, to get back to Ibrox as soon as we can. I think that's going to take a bit longer than any of us would have hoped or probably foreseen a few months ago. So if the second best is having to to settle for them on the on the telly uh, with no fans at Ibrox, then so be it. Um, I'm not going to pretend that it'll be difficult to watch. It will be, but um, as soon as that first goal goes in or that first bad decision by a referee, then it'll, it'll get me going and get the blood pumping very quickly indeed. So the quicker the better for me, whether it's Ibrox or, or on the telly. I don't think you'll need to wait long for the, the, the referee decision to get you going, Frankie, let's be honest. And I, I had to laugh at you claiming you were a toddler when Kenny Dalgleish played for Liverpool. Anyway, <laughs> I think we'll call it quits on that. Uh, right, guys, a big thanks to Stuart and Stephen because that's us for this week. That's all for this week's episode of the Jersey Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast made by fans for fans where the content is free. As I said, thanks to Stuart and Stephen for their, their, their comments tonight. Uh, we'll probably have a show out next week. We're, we're looking at the schedule. We might be having a wee break at some point in the future. Discussions are ongoing on that. Uh, but probably have a show next week we'll keep you informed again guys a big thank you to all of you that have subscribed 3,000 subscribers it's, uh, it's 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 been a great journey for us over the last couple of years and as I said there's been there's been quite a spike recently so for helping you get through lockdown all the better and uh, please join us again on the show next week, we'll see what happens. But in the meantime, uh, get yourself on to the JERSnet website and forums at www.jersnet.co.uk. Guys, stay safe. Uh, and until the next time, bye. Ready is relentless. Ready is fearless. Ready is fearing no foe. Ready for the next level? Renew your season ticket now and support Rangers into season 2021. Prices are frozen for next season and the renewals deadline is extended. Visit rangers.co.uk slash renew to secure your season ticket today. Always Rangers. Always loyal.